Good morning. I cannot believe it's almost February. It's crazy. Um, okay. We are at the top of the hour. So I will just make a little review of how this works. I didn't do that last time and um, I wish I had. So these group coaching sessions are designed to help people come forward with any kind of problem that they're dealing with. It, maybe it's not even something that's a problem, but just like a thing. Um, and if you would like, then you come on with your voice only. We'll make sure that you um, have your name changed. And then um, we can go through this type of coaching using the model. And um, it's really great because then everybody can benefit from you and, and what you are going through. Um, and we'll use the model, of course. As I see the people that have logged on so far, I think um, I think everybody's pretty familiar with it. But just to review, um, we have the, our coaching model, which starts with, here we go, um, circumstances, which is basically our external reality. And then those trigger thoughts, the thoughts and create our feelings in our body. Our feelings are what drive our actions and the actions are what create our results. And as you know, from the model, the results will always tie back to the thought that we're having about that circumstance. So that is fantastic news because this is our internal world and this is where we have our power. So if we want to affect any kind of change, if we want to create any kind of result, then this is where we have the freedom to move about the cabin and create things that we desire. Um, okay, so with that, are there any questions so far? Let me put the chat up, make sure. Okay. Hi, Amy. Good morning. I'm going to allow you to talk. Maybe I'll promote you to panelist. Hey, Jessica. Hi. Good morning. Hi. Um, so yes, we had somebody ask if we're all muted. You are, and let me start changing names too, just for the, for the sake of, I was thinking all morning what we would do. And, um, now I forgot. <laughs> I had all these different ideas about what we could rename people. So we'll just do star. Um, I was thinking body parts would be fun because we're surgeons. And then I was like, well, <laughs> I don't know if somebody wants to be called gallbladder. Um, okay, let's see, we'll do wind. Okay. Um, okay, so people are renamed and you are muted. And then, um, so the, the attendees can, participate in the chat, or you can, um, if you have something that you'd like to be coached on, just let us know if you want to type it in, or you can raise your hand, one of those two things. So um, is there anything anybody wants to talk about? Okay, so I'm going to start, oh, here we go. Okay, that is great. I would love to, if you remind me what we talked about last week. <laughs> All 
righty. Yeah, so just you and I talked last weekend a little bit. <laughs> Who am I talking to here? <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's been a long week, obviously. You already renamed me, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh crap. Um, what are we That's talking right. about? Um <laughs> I probably wouldn't remember either, but uh I've I've taken up lots of you guys' time. So if somebody else has an issue that they would like to talk about, I would be happy to let someone else have a chance. Otherwise, okay, there just... um there is somebody who has something to talk about. And okay. so we can do yours or we can do both. Up to you. You're the boss. Well, um, hey, let's see here. Wind, I renamed you to Wind. Can you tell me what your topic is? Oh, you're on your phone. I named you Wind. There you go, Wind. The first person who was just talking, I named Star, and I renamed you Wind. Um, what's your, Wind, what is your um, topic here? Self-sabotage when things go really well. Oh God. <laughs> All right. Star, is that related? Uh, mine, the, the circumstance of mine is being told that I had had several people complain about my tone. Oh, yeah, your tone. That's exactly right. So let's do both. Um, okay. Is that okay with you, Wend? We're going we're gonna to do both. So star, I love your tone. Let me just start by saying that. I'm a surgeon. What do they expect? <laughs> Can you tell me or tell the group what exactly went down? Yeah. So I don't know, like a week ago, I got notified that there had been several written complaints about my tone. Uh, and I remembered some of the incidences mm -hmm. that I was informed about. I did not specifically remember some of the other incidences. The ones that I specifically remembered, you know, there's always something, some major component of the story missing from these complaints, right? Sure. And the ones that I specifically remembered, they were instances in which the person complaining was literally not doing their job which meant that I could not take care of the baby who was in front of me. Mm -hmm. And that's what, you know, here, so scenario, I'm in an ultrasound suite. I'm trying to do an ultrasound on a newborn baby mm -hmm. who's at minimum fussing at yeah. most screaming their bloody heads off. Mm -hmm. The parents are new parents. They're terrified. They have no idea what they're doing there, what's going on. Mm -hmm. uh, and there were several different instances where the ultrasound tech literally didn't know how to run the machine. Okay. And, and I can't, I can't do the ultrasound if you don't know how to run the machine. <laughs> and so because parent is in the room, baby screaming, I start to speak more clearly, succinctly, mm -hmm. directly. Mm -hmm. I don't have time 
for chit chat over the baby's screens. So I try to tell the ultrasound tech, look, this is exactly what I need. Uh, one of the ultrasound techs said, well, the machine doesn't do that. And I said, no, the machine does do that because that's how we do all of these. Mm -hmm. Well, I've never worked with you before. And I said, well, maybe there's somebody else around who could help us get this one done. Mm -hmm. And that's what I was written up for on that instance, because I suggested that we call someone else to help us. Um, but it's often, it's just, it's those sorts of instances. Like the person literally says, I don't know how to do my job. Mm -hmm. And I say, okay, well, let's find a solution to that. <laughs> and then they don't like my tone, but of course, nowhere in their complaint do they admit that they didn't know how to do their job right. or that there's a screaming baby in the room that, you know, and like the complaints say that I was yelling at them which is ludicrous. Of course, I am not yelling at you in front of a screaming child and a terrified parent. Right. You know, that's just my voice. Am I yelling right now? Maybe I am. <laughs> this is not yelling. I'm Irish. You will know if I am yelling. Well, I mean, I, so this is great because this is actually something that we as women surgeons deal with on the regular is having this interpretation of us, um, you know, when we're, when we are direct and, um, you know, those, the things that you just described, um, particularly women, uh, in other areas of the hospital, like nursing, or I'm assuming this was a female ultrasound tech. Yep. Okay. So, I think that this is really interesting to discuss because this is kind of one of those systems things that I think we as a group could try to create a little bit of grassroots movement to change um, because there seems to be this interesting dynamic that occurs between a female surgeon who isn't like killing people with kindness all the time. Um, if you deviate from that, kind of expectation that you're just going to be the nicest person on planet earth, then, um, the other, the other party reacts a certain way. And I, I see this a lot, actually, would you, you know, would you agree that, that this sort of thing is absolutely happening? And absolutely. then Amy, Amy's on the call today too. And she also, I want always to welcome her opinion about it too. So if you have anything to add, um, so this is really interesting to me because, um, I would like to understand this interaction a little bit better so that we could, um, figure out some kind of way forward. And really if all we have is control over how we show up in the world, it doesn't necessarily mean we don't want to change the circumstance because in this coaching business, what we do is we say, well, you can't change the circumstance. Well, that doesn't mean you shouldn't, you know, desire a different result and then show up in a way that creates that result for you, which then ultimately will create a new circumstance, if that makes sense. So it's not like we want to just like scrub our brains clean of all negative thinking and then just be like, okay, well, this is clearly, I'm the one who should have talked differently here or whatever. That's kind of not the point. I think the point is like more nuanced than that. Like let's maybe see what the anatomy of this is a little bit more. So, um, 
but we will start with the model. I hope I am making sense here. I actually have been thinking about this very interaction, not yours in particular, but like this comes up a lot. So wait, C-T-F-A-R, let me remember the model here. Um, I, wish this, I wish the model were an easier mnemonic to remember because I literally can never remember that. <laughs> I know, it's like, we like remembering the, like the order of ossification of the pediatric elbow. Uh-huh. I just taught a medical student that the other day. For everybody who's not an orthopod, it's come ride my tree of love. <laughs> oh, <So> easy. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. So let's just talk about like, what are the facts of the situation here? The facts are you, you're doing an ultrasound on baby with parents. Baby's making noise. Um, so ultrasound tech, um, says, I don't know how to, or like more or less the ultrasound, right. the ultrasound tech says something to the effect that she doesn't know, or she doesn't think this works. And then you say, um, Irene, perhaps there's someone else around who could help us. Okay, and then ultrasound tech then writes you up. Yep. Okay, so then you, and then, so what she says in the write-up also goes in the circumstance because that's something that's provable. It's her words that she actually put down on paper. Yep. So we can just assume that that's in the circumstance too. And so then what is the thought that comes up for you? Like so what the initial the thought, sorry, go ahead. So when you, when we talked last week, um, there was like, there, it was like major distress. It seemed like, so what was the thing that, that you were thinking that created that distress? Of course, the first thing that crosses my mind is I'm a terrible person and everybody hates me. <laughs> is that succinct enough? <laughs> and I'm tired. I'm tired of this bullshit. Mm -hmm. I am very good at my job mm -hmm. and that gets totally ignored because they didn't like my tone. Does it matter if she thinks you're good at your job? Uh, I, I would like other people to recognize that I'm good at my job. Mm-hmm. I, I can add a slightly sticky confounding factor here, which is I am taking over a practice from a person who is literally considered a saint. Okay. And yet maybe isn't the best at his job as I'm seeing more and more follow-ups. Yeah, that's another interesting thing to kind of throw in because presumably this person was used to interactions with that other person. Yeah, and is literally considered a saint. I swear to God, people around here think this man is a saint. So it sounds like if, if, I mean, he might be like, he might be right. He's a lovely human little being, brother, okay. but it's like <clears throat> that doesn't necessarily translate to a really effective 
um, orthopedic surgeon. And as a parent, I'll tell you, I want the person who is really damn good at their job, not the one who's the nicest. So like who, who matters here? Like if you do a good job, I think this is (laughs) multi-layered. The first thing is recognizing like whose opinion really matters. And I would argue that the only opinion that really matters is your own because you're the one delivering the care. Yes. I mean, the parents have to believe that you're competent and, you know, capable of taking care of their child. That, right. That is, um, that's a nice follow on (laughs) that results from you believing that you're the right person for the job. So that's one, one layer is like, what, who cares what this woman thinks? The second, the second layer is, is this, this situation has identified a deficiency. It sounds like, so that's a good thing to identify a deficiency. It's a good thing to understand where this other person had created a certain environment for delivering care. Now you are able to identify areas where there needs to be some kind of a change to improve patient care. So, I mean, we depend on ultrasounds for babies like on the regular. So it's a good thing to understand if your ultrasound tech, and I mean, you know, star just as well as any orthopedic surgeon that you're maybe the general surgeons too, like your ultrasound result is only as good as the tech that, that does the test. Yep. Well, I do my own, but they just push the buttons on the machine, but yes. I mean, still you need the tech to be familiar with the machine. If you're going to, if you're going to run the little microphone thing, but you got to have somebody who knows it's like the C-arm person, right? They need to know how to troubleshoot the machine. That's not your job to troubleshoot the machine. So, I mean, honestly, it sounds like we could look at a different layer of the situation and say, okay, well, good thing this happened because now I know where there's a deficiency and you have a little bit of power there because it's like, okay, well, now I know this has to be addressed in this way. And um, I mean, her complaining about it, or I don't want to say complain because that's, uh, I mean, that's probably what she did, but as a coach, I just want to keep it very neutral. Like she wrote words down on a piece of paper and handed it to her supervisor who then it like made its way through the system for you to understand that she wrote the words down. Right. It's like the complaint process. Um, So I'd like to kind of ask you if you think your tone is a problem, like if you don't think your tone is a problem, then, um, then it basically boils down to caring that other people think your tone is a problem. Right. So I fully admit that my tone can be curt, especially when I am in, uh, say, stressful patient situations where I am focused on the patient and I need someone else to do something. Mm-hmm. I enunciate. I speak clearly. I don't scream F-bombs. Uh, it doesn't mean I don't curse in the OR or whatever, but I don't, I'm not screaming them at someone. Um, and I'll just throw in a side little story that you can probably, to just give an example. So uh, I was in the OR, I have a circulator who's known for not being oh so on the ball. Mm-hmm. And it was a long case. And so at the beginning I say, okay, when we get to the end, I'm going to need X, Y, Z. Mm-hmm. And then halfway through the case, I said, okay, when we get to the end, I'm going to need X, Y, Z. And every time the circulator says, okay, okay. And writes it down. And we get to the end of the case and I'm holding this heavy leg. And I say, I need X, Y, Z. And it's not in the room. And I said, Sarah, we talked about this in that tone. Mm-hmm. And she says, 
Don't speak to me in that tone of voice. So I don't know, is my tone a problem? Because <laughs> frankly, I think I had a right to have a tone in that situation. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it, I'm kind of apoplectic here because I don't think the tone <laughs> is a problem. <laughs> I don't either, which, but then does that just make me an asshole surgeon who thinks that I'm, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Let's see what Amy has to say. Hey, it, it, it's Amy, can you hear me? Yeah. So, you know, I think that your thought is perfect. And I think that it leads to this is that, you know, um, like your thought is like, I'm a terrible surgeon because someone says something. And, you know, like someone's interpretation of tone is their interpretation. And I think that when we start worrying so much about what other people think, then we start acting differently. Like if, if you really embrace this, my tone is, you know, what's causing the problem, then you're not going to show up as your true and genuine self. Um, right. And I think that that's where the problem lies. And, you know, but you also have to have a relationship with other people. And so, you know, kind of embracing the thought of, um, I need to be my true and authentic self. I do understand that people don't understand my tone. And so I'm going to seek, you know, for the, the general purposes of creating a good environment that they understand what I'm thinking, you know? Um, and if I know that my tone might offend people, I'm gonna say, I can actually beat them at the pass and say, I may come across as curt, but this is important. Um, and it's about the patient. And so you refocus mm -hmm. the situation on the patient and the problem. Um, and so I think recognizing it, knowing you need to communicate with other people is more important than changing who you are. Yeah, that sounds great. I think so too, Amy, you're so good at, <clears throat> at the, at the part about, um, you know, how to not change who you are, but also facilitate a really productive working environment. And I am recognizing my own limitations here because I think, I don't think that the, the tone is a problem at all. So I'm like totally in the pool with the client here. And at the same time, just want everybody to love each other. <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. So a great job though, of, of being the person that she is, you know, I mean, and I think the, the other underlying problem of this is, you know, her thoughts on how she feels about competing with this um, other surgeon who behaved in different ways. And so it's, it's a matter of just educating the team of, you know, this is, this is how they did it. And this is how I do it. There's nothing wrong with either way, but this is the style. Let's work with the style. Let's work together. And, you know, it, it sounds like this person is probably coming from a point of insecurity and, and maybe actually knows it. And then if you feel like, if they feel like you're pointing out their deficiencies, um, then they will act in a defensive position and then, you know, their defense turns into a good offense. Um, and so I think it's also just kind of really thinking for a minute about someone else's model and how, um, you may be influencing how your actions are turning into their circumstance, um, and vice versa. Deep. That's a good point, Amy. I love thinking about what the other person's model is because very often, um, people, we, we're all insecure human beings, everybody. Like this is 
a statement that creates an insecure feeling like this thought in your head of I'm terrible. Everyone hates me. That's like from an insecure place and it creates insecure feelings. And I bet you the person that you were interacting with her model was creating insecure feelings. You know, she, she probably knows she doesn't know what she's doing. And so she wants to lash out instead of admitting it because it's way easier to blame and lash out. Um, sorry, my daughter's out there calling for the dogs. At least she's not crying today. Um, so recognizing other people's models is a really effective, quick tool. If you're, especially if you're in a moment, if you develop a habit of just like quickly saying, Oh, I wonder what model they're in right now. And then, um, it builds in a little bit of space between stimulus and response. And that's something that Kelly's talked about. If we can all just learn how to build a little space between stimulus and response, we just have a a cushion to really evaluate how we want to show up in any particular moment. Because in a situation, I can totally put myself in that situation. Baby screaming, parents freaking, you're just trying to get the test done. Tech doesn't know what she's doing. Ah, it's like a harried kind of thing. <clears throat> and we want to kind of create this uh, perception for the parents that we're like amazing at our jobs and this is smooth and nothing has gone wrong here. And it's hard to do that when, when there's all that flurry of emotion and activity going on. Jess, can I ask a question about um, yeah. this, the idea of looking at it from someone else's model? I'm all for that. Mm-hmm. But I will fully admit that in the heat of the moment, I, I don't think I'm capable of doing that. <laughs> Yet. <laughs> it <Okay>. gets easier. <laughs> it does get easier. Um, so one of the things that I've done, and this is, this is an A-line thing. This is not, you know, it, to kind of create a little bit of um, space for me. I've had this happen before, particularly when I'm doing clubfoot casting. Mm-hmm. When the baby's freaking, the parents freaking, um, and then maybe my orthotech isn't the best orthotech at the time. And I'm just like, this is going to be a sucky thing. I'll just say, you know what, this is going to be so much easier for your child to tolerate. Why don't we just give your baby a break? Let the baby calm down a little bit, maybe feed the baby. Um, and then I do that as a tactic. It's kind of like irrigating in the operating room. Yeah. It's just yeah. like. I need to step away. <laughs> I need to step away from this. And then I can say to the orthotech, okay, this isn't working. This is what we need to do differently, blah, 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 blah. So it's not right there with the parent. Um, and I don't know if maybe, maybe this woman was embarrassed. I'm not sure, but uh, there are all kinds of strategies to facilitate, uh, you know, making a productive change for your relationship with these people and for the way you deliver care. But you're right in that moment, things just escalate so quickly and it makes us then kind of like impotent to, to, to do anything different. And it would be nice if there was just a teeny tiny cushion between stimulus and response so that you can kind of evaluate what it is you're, you want to do, say, accomplish. Um, so I, I would like to finish the model just for the sake of everybody here. Cause I think the more we do these is, um, makes it easier for everybody to, to be able to do it really quickly, just practicing over and over. So 
that, that afternoon, then this is the, you know, these thoughts are kind of the pervasive thoughts that day. Yep. When I found out about the complaints. Yep. And then how did you feel? Shitty. Okay. And then when you feel (laughs) shitty, what did you do? Uh, don't sleep, dwell on it, send you a message. Yeah. Uh, possibly sometimes interact poorly with my husband. And honestly, it carries through to the rest of my patient interactions too. I have a very hard time of letting go of that weight. Yeah. Don't let go. And then the result here is, is probably interactions where I did actually have a tone. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Have a tone. I love it. So yeah, I mean, seriously, but then also if you're, if this is what you're thinking, everybody hates me and you feel shitty. And then basically it's like, you don't sleep, you are dwelling on it which in the dwelling, let's not forget that that usually means you're judging yourself, Mm -hmm. judging yourself or judging other people. Um, You know, having these interactions that are kind of crappy with other people and then just carrying around the heaviness, it literally basically makes things shitty. It's Mm -hmm. not only that you feel shitty, it like creates the whole experience, like the experience of the way you're moving about the world becomes like a heavy, shitty, sucky, hateful experience. Creates it. I'll just say creates a terrible experience. So, okay. So everybody that's watching can now see how this, you know, this thought leads to this result. And the result is basically what it is that we create in our world. And if you lined up a hundred orthopedic surgeons, I bet you, you would have a hundred different thoughts. That would be like the initial thought from getting this being written up. Now I'm probably like you star in that I would have been like, oh my gosh, they hate me. I'm the worst. Why do I suck so bad and all that sort of stuff. But I can tell you that there are a lot of people who would be like, fuck that. That person was totally in the wrong. The system is stupid. And I'm not going to waste one more minute on it. And then there's going to be the host of other thoughts in between. The point is, is it's not a right or wrong thought. It's basically the point of that is to illustrate that every one of the thoughts is completely optional. And even if this is the default, of course, because we're we're wired for negative bias. I mean, this is just science. This is the way our brains work. Just because we're wired for this doesn't mean that we can't say, okay, yeah, that's exactly what my brain does. I totally get it. And I can even name times when I'll indulge in it for a little bit. And I'll just kind of like sit there for a little bit, just be like, you know what? It's fine. I'm just going to feel shitty for a while. But then I know that it's because of what I'm doing. It's not because of what this other person Mm. did. Mm. And so then I'm like, all right, well, that's enough of that. That's exactly what my brain is supposed to do. And now I'm going to practice these other things. I'm going to practice 
like trying to maybe understand what I can learn here. What I've learned here is that we have a deficiency in our ultrasound and thank God I know that because we need to have a really tight ultrasound in an effort to deliver good care. And, you know, then you can kind of like fall out with all the different productive ways you could re redirect. So the model is to help define the anatomy of the situation, not to necessarily scrub it away and say, well, I just have to get happy now and think a happy thought because who's going to like, who's going to be like jumping to, Oh yeah. I'm so happy when people complain about me. I love it. I want people to point that stuff out every day. <laughs> yeah. Um, Please write me up some more. Yeah. But it's just, it's like, okay, that's what brains do. It's not a problem. And we can sit there with it and then we can turn the volume down on it and move on. Okie dokie. So let's, is that good star? Is that something yes. that you can work with? Yes. And I appreciate talking through it and yeah, you know, it was like a week ago. So I've had some time to calm down since I first talked to you about it. Yeah. So <laughs> and I will also add that I did have to have my little chat with my boss. And God bless him. He is married to a strong woman and he knows yeah. he totally admitted to me. He goes, I know that people, we can say the exact same things with the exact same tone of voice and they will react to you and they won't react to me. And he and I talked about several situations and we were laughing and I was like, yeah, did you get written up for that? And he's like, nope. <laughs> yeah. It's really, really interesting. And I will add that I'm getting ready to start <clears throat> an advanced coach training on, um, well, you already know this star because you gave me some helpful stuff for it, but right. um, this is super fascinating. My, my desire is to understand this relationship, this kind of like male female thing within surgery and how we interact with people on a deeper level. So I'm doing this advanced um, coach training in feminism, which is going to be just outrageous. I can't wait for it, but um. <clears throat> Okay. So that is amazing. Thank you so much for volunteering. We all benefited from that tremendously. So look, there's another good thing that came out of that complaint. Um, okay, Star, I'm going to go ahead and put you back to, uh, maybe I'll just disable talking. Now let's go to, um, wind. Wind, are you still here? Can you tell us, let me promote you and see what your issue is. Allowed to talk. There we go. Hi, can you hear me? Yes. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> I wasn't sure how to make this work on my cell phone, so. Um, and I apologize for the noise in the back. Hopefully it's not too crazy. No worries. Um, all right, so. Hey, this whole idea of like the self-sabotage thing, I've been, you know, having a lot of trouble kind of making it fit into the model. And I'm still obviously like learning and trying to practice how to work through the model itself. But um, so I have to say, like, it's like one of these things where it's like, I don't have any like major crises things. I'm fairly happy at work. Like marriage is good. Kids are good. All these things. But it feels like whenever like things feel, um, like stable or good. I'm taking care of myself, eating well, like doing all like my self work and all these things like this, like tremendous, um, like resistance, I guess is maybe the word to like 
allowing those things. Like, and I feel amazing when I'm doing all these things. I'm waking up early and like doing stuff for myself and all this stuff. And then it's just like the more momentum I feel like I start to get on those things. It's like the dark demons of like, you know, um, self-sabotage seem to get even stronger. And I don't know if I'm just like rambling or if that makes any sense to anybody, but um, I've been struggling with that a lot lately because like, um, you know, signing up with this, working with another coach previously, all these other things and like doing a lot and spending a lot of time, like trying to like work on myself and um, my situations. Like it's, it seems like it's getting worse. The more effort mm-hmm. I put in, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I have, um, I have to congratulate you, my friend, because you have a human brain. So there it is. <laughs> this, so here's the thing, like you're working on all this stuff, right? Things are going well. And of course your brain is like, what is happening here? There's gotta be something (laughs) bad. Your brain's like, no, 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 no. Things are bad. The world is bad. Things are bad. I'm looking for bad, 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 bad. That's just what our brains do. So then when you're gaining this momentum, when you're like, Ooh, I'm hitting a sweet spot, things are really getting good here. Of course your brain is going to be like, nope, the sky is literally going to fall on you tomorrow. And so then we should probably tuck in and not do anything. We should probably stay at home and be afraid. (laughs) That's just what we do. So let's come up with a specific example. If you could help us understand like something specific that's happened, say recently, this is going to help a lot of people because this is just the way it works. I guess like, I I think that like an easy one, that's like kind of like very, like a very like repetitive pattern for me, especially is like, um, like, I guess like, like self care stuff. Like I I can't look right now, guys. Sorry. (laughs) So, so I guess like, like a very easy, tangible example would be like, um, like, I guess like eating well and like exercise, let's say. So like when those things are like, and at a good clip and I like take care of myself and like all these things, like I feel great. Mm -hmm. And it's like, as soon as I start to feel great, like feel confident and like all these kind of things related to that. Um, not so much as like a, like a weight loss or like anything like that. It's just like the, the act of physically feeling good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like, okay, you know what? Like it's been like too many days of feeling great. Like, let me just like hunker down and eat the entire like Costco bag of chips or whatever it is. Or like, ah, I've been like working out and doing my yoga and like, you know, waking up early and doing all the stuff that makes me feel good. Like, I probably just should just stop doing that for a couple of days. And like, and and like, it's just weird. I don't like, because all those things make me feel so good. Mm -hmm. But it's like, nah, like, all right, no, the Costco chips, it is. It's, um, and it's very disappointing. And it takes like a while to kind of get back out of that spiral, I guess. And Yes, this. Okay, this is great. So we're going to put the action. We're going to work backwards here. So what you do is in your own words is you self sabotage. So to me, you're describing like you just stop doing the things right you stop. Stop the journaling, like stop the, I usually like have like this gratitude practice that I'll do and it's like feels amazing and great. And then like, yeah, um, once it gets to a certain point, it's just like, oh, I don't know. It just like falls by the wayside or I'll give myself an excuse not to do it. So what, as we know from the model, our feelings drive our actions. 
So what do you, what feeling do you think? And you don't have to know, we can guess. So just what feeling do you think is um, driving the action to eat a bag of chips from Costco or wake up late or whatever? Um, you know, I haven't, I can't, I have to, I, I'm, I can't, I feel like I can't really like identify like what that feeling is. And I don't know if it's that whole like concept of like the, you know, foreboding joy kind of thing of just mm -hmm. like, like, or just feeling like maybe like I am like not deserving of that, like to have that life that's like very like good or like, or, or doing things for myself, which, um, since I, I feel like I'm one of these that are always like doing things for others kind of mm -hmm. people. Um, but I haven't been able to sort of like in that moment and I try and create like space in those times, like, okay, well, like before I make this decision, like, let me like rethink this, like, what is this going to mean? Like, and try and be like rational about it, but it's almost like reflexive. Like sometimes I can't even make seconds of space. It's just like eff it. Like I'm just going to like do X, Y, Z or like hit snooze or whatever it is. And it's, um, you know, now that I'm saying it out loud, like maybe it is the like the deserving thing, like as I speak it out loud, that seems yeah. to hit more like more um, like closer to, to my heart, I guess. So I think everybody can identify with this because it feels reflexive, right? Like all of a sudden for me, it'll be like, oh, uh, I, well, it used to be this way, like really often was, I was all of a sudden, like had a second glass of wine in my hand or all of a sudden it was like, you know, I hit the snooze, you know, like before I even have time to consider it. So it's kind of like what I was talking about with the first person. If there is a way to build in a little bit of time between stimulus and response, not even to change, you don't have to change the response, but just to like sit in that space between the two and be curious about what is actually going on in your brain and in your body. Because before we change the response, like you don't even have to not say F it at this point, but we just want to understand why you're saying F it. And if we can do that, that's where you can be like, oh, okay, I totally get why I'm doing that now. And then maybe you'll still say F it and maybe you won't. But that understanding I think is kind of a key thing. So if we can take it back to, um, is there like a time in the last couple of days when you kind of had that F it reaction? Um. Yeah, I feel like it was like yesterday. Right? I mean, I was like, okay, like so as recent you, as yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> you put yourself back there, and just try to imagine what it is. Like, imagine what your body felt like. Imagine if you can just kind of take yourself back there to that moment when you're like saying "eff it." Can you can you even conjure up what that might have felt like at the time? Um. I mean, I think, well, I mean, like I, I can kind of like pinpoint the moment. Like it was kind of like, I, well, Friday is usually like pizza night, <laughs> like yeah. with the family, we'll watch like a movie, whatever. Mm -hmm. Like yesterday was like kind of stressful because my kids, like the one 
one time my babysitter takes time off because she's like post-op from her own surgery um, the entire year. Um, my kid's school ends up closing because of a COVID case. And okay. like my, my husband like always picks up, he has a much more flexible, he owns his own business and always picks up the slack for any childcare stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're, you know, weirdly enough, COVID's actually like kind of propelled his business somewhat. So now he's like just as busy, if not busier than me. So like, it's become this, um, you know, like yesterday I had to like move my clinic and do like virtual clinic from home with the two kids while he like went to work. And as, as you know, they were like, as you can hear them crying in the background right now, it's kind of like a lot. Yeah. And I feel like after, um, like an afternoon of like trying to juggle like a full telemedicine like clinic from home with the kids and all that like usually pizza night is like a fun kind of thing but like Mm -hmm. pizza night like kind of turned into this like ah fuck it let's just eat like everybody's leftover pizza including my pizza and then like all right now I need something like sweet to like wash this pizza down and like I know all that stuff like makes me feel terrible and like not like emotionally but also like physically terrible um and I I don't like in that moment I am thinking like maybe I was just like burnt out like maybe that was the like the sensation so this is this is so interesting because now as you talk more we can understand what the circumstances were so we've got the schools closed the kids are home friday night's usually pizza night your husband's not available you had to do all this rearranging and to do the virtual clinic so all this stuff is like the circumstance and then you think what fuck it like yeah, pretty is, much. It's just like, like I'm like, like, this kind of really like stressful, yeah. like, fuck it. Right. Yeah. So then you're like, F it. And then when you think the thought F it, how do you feel? Like defeated, I guess. Like, uh, and like, kind of like defeated and like weak, I guess is probably another good like term. Yeah. I think those are related actually. And the, so then when you feel defeated, it's just like, well, that's done. Let's eat all the pizza and all the sweet stuff. Yep. Feel like shit? No problem. Yeah. And so then the result is basically F it. So that's great because now we can actually see, we can dissect what happened. Now, what what happened isn't right or wrong. It just is what happened. It's just what we do. So... The, the next thing I'd like to ask is, is this a problem to every once I, in a while be like, F it. I, 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 I totally don't think so. And I mean, I, I definitely give myself like some, like, I mean, like today, like I'm fine. Like, I'm like, I'm like, okay, like it happened and I'm just going to like move on and like today, like get back on track and I've gotten better about that. Mm-hmm. I guess it's just like when it becomes this kind of, and thankfully like it's, you know, I've kind of changed the tide as of today, but like getting into this like cycle of it and then like the effort kind of snowballs and it's yeah. just like, um, and thankfully that didn't like happen into this uh, weekend. Um, but um, it's just so weird because like the, the time preceding up to that, like I was just on such a roll and it just, it felt like, it felt like the effort wave was just like, just as proportionate to like how good I was feeling as to, in terms of like how hard I effed it, you know, for like, <laughs> that's really, oh my gosh, I have to write that down. The effort wave, the effort wave is proportional, <laughs> is proportional to the efforts 
oh my gosh, we got to go somewhere with that with a blog or something. Amy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's true, right? It's like for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. And so in your brain, which is normal, you are being super intentional. You're in the process of creating neural pathways. You're using your prefrontal cortex. You're kind of like flexing that muscle and it's getting stronger and stronger. But your primitive brain is like, uh, what do you think you're doing? No, 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 no. So of course, the stronger you get, you're going to get these like equal and opposite tantrums in your primitive brain, right? So that struggle is normal and nothing has really gone wrong. So I think having compassion for the effort might be useful, like having compassion for it because you're a human being and everybody experiences this and it doesn't mean anything about you to have a moment like that. It doesn't mean you're weak. It doesn't mean that. Like, what do you make effort mean? You could make effort mean that you're weak or you could make effort mean that you're a human being who needs a break or you could make effort mean like, oh, so glad I had this effort because now I can understand something differently. Like I can understand myself in a little bit of a different way. Like you can make this effort do things for you that don't have to be making you weak or defeated, but it's this type of work that then helps you understand how, you know, how it's working in your mind and in your body and how you live your life. Does that make sense? Like effort doesn't have to mean that you're weak. Now it does, it's not a, it's up to you. You can make it mean whatever you want, but I just like to offer that it's normal that nothing has gone wrong. It doesn't mean anything about you and that you could make it mean something differently if you wanted. Um, the other thing I also would like to offer is, is that we as surgeons are really, really like into achieving things. <laughs> yeah. Like, we like progress and achievement and this like really linear trajectory to a goal. So that's something I think we all value, but what I don't think we value as much is the practice that we have to do to reach the end goal. And so it's like, we don't even see in surgical training, say when you're learning how to do, uh, I don't know what kind of surgery. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm a urologist. Yeah. Okay. So like, say you, some difficult kidney thing or whatever, there is a lot of stumbling that occurs to learn how to do that. And it's a lot of practice that has to go into that. But we look back on it and we're like, don't recognize that, I guess, that it's the practice, not the perfection. And um, this is another opportunity too to, to recognize in yourself that it's practice every day it's practice. There is no finish line here. It just doesn't exist. So this like working towards all of the self-care and all of that, it's like, there isn't a finish line for self-care. It's not like you reach a a destination where it's like, well, I'm done. Like that's not happening anymore. Um, I think it's like really interesting because like in actual practice, like I had, you know, I was like, I'm, I'm like three years out from residency and, and, mm-hmm. and um, you know, that idea of like a case is supposed to go a certain case is supposed to go a certain way. And like a complication is like a major like failure. I know, which is a theme that we've been talking about a lot lately, like is like 
failure on my part as like a human being. And I've actually been able to like totally reframe how I do that in like my work life, but like yeah. not really as like a human, like it's like, Oh, as a surgeon, like I meant to make mistakes and like move on and like learn to do the, this differently the next time. And cause that was like killing me. But like now, um, just, I guess, making that translate into real life too. <laughs> That's exactly correct. It's in real life. It's like, there is always something we can learn and we're always a hundred percent worthy at any given moment. So it doesn't matter if you say every single effing day, you're still a worthy human being and you can just choose to make this mean whatever you want. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right. KJC joined us. Hey lady. I want to um, allow KJC to talk too, because I want to know if Amy or Kelly have anything to add. This was a great morning. Talking is permitted, but only if you use a certain tone. <laughs> too soon? <laughs> Amy or Kelly, do you have anything to add? Uh, great, great session. This is Kelly. Um, yeah, I was just thinking, you know, what was coming up on the, um, well, one thing just about wind is, you know, just being able to see it like this. Cause I think it, it came from such a like spontaneous, I don't know why it's happening to like, oh my gosh, I see why it's like, that was very insightful. Mm -hmm. And then realizing like, Hey, my Friday night doesn't have to defeat me, you know? And the kind of like, then being able to be like, oh, I let that defeat me. And I got that. I can do harder things. You know, and just being able to step back and see it and be like, oh, I, you know, to choose to be like not defeated is just another option. You don't have to. You can be like, I love Hagen Doss mint ice cream on Fridays. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was my thought about that. Wonderful. Amy. Yeah, I, mean, I think that, you know, her thought is like the, the thought that her brain is offering is, is you know, fuck it. But really, you know, a, a thought that's very similar that, that may lead you to something different is like, this is hard you know, and uh, I think just, you know, kind of acknowledging that it's hard and that nothing's gone wrong is I think just, you know, all the things that you've said were really, really helpful. Um, but I didn't have any more to add than that. I thought you did a great job. Here's a little thing I've been working on myself with my self-coaching is like, has everybody seen um, Talladega Nights? I hope you have. I love Will Ferrell. But anyway, there's that scene at the dinner table when he talks about his kids being full of wonderment. <laughs> I've been trying to be full of wonderment about like myself, brains, humanity, the way the world works and just being like, gosh, isn't this like really crazy and weird and amazing that this is what we do and this is why we survived and why we're here today. Anyway, it's really helped kind of like take a little bit of heaviness out of everything. Just being like, gosh, the human brain's amazing. Look at what it does to try to keep me safe. How, how amazing is this? And I'm like super full of wonderment about it. And I know I kind of get a little touchy feely sometimes, but uh, it's been really helpful to understand like here before I would have done this and it would have sent me in like an effort spiral and that would have lasted for weeks or months. And I would have been feeling crappy that whole time thinking there was something wrong with me. And through all this work, it's gotten much easier to 
like acknowledge that these effort moments happen and they happen for a reason. And it's an interesting reason because our brains are so wired to just like be searching for negative things. And that's on purpose to keep us safe. But now that nothing's really, really threatening our existence, then we can be like, oh, okay, they're there. I got it. I know, I know what you're offering me here is totally normal. And now I can just let it go. And I can be in awe about all of it. It's just the craziest thing. Yeah, I think going on, I love how you brought that from Talladega Nights. Because to me, I'm like, that's Buddhism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like the, the whole laughing Buddha, like the Perfect. lightness of life, the joy of life. And being able to be like, oh, look how silly our brains are. Oh, look at that person totally believing their thought. Oh, and it's, there's almost this joy and lightness once you can get to the point of seeing, of being the seer of the thoughts happening. Yeah. And then one final thing I'd like to say, there was a comment on our um, common thread group this morning that I'm just going to try to craft a a dignified response and help hopefully productive. It was, there was a Kevin MD um, thing posted that I haven't read the whole article yet, but I just like to offer that this type of work isn't superficial. It isn't in an effort for us to, to scrub our brains free of negative thinking or to just conjure up magically thoughts that make us happy all the time in an effort to change ourselves to morph into something that other people want us to be or some system wants us to be. I really think this is like grassroots stuff here. I think if we are able to understand how our brains work, how our brains can either help us create more power in our lives or diminish the power in our lives is really critical. And then once we des- like identify who we want to be, how we wanna show up, what kind of results we wanna create, that's the way we change systems because it's not the human being that's the problem. It's like the systems that are the problem that we're working within. And how else can we change systems if we don't have power? So I don't know if anybody saw that Kevin MD thing this morning or if they've had a chance to read it, but I'm going to read it more carefully and I'd invite you. Yeah, I've read it. And to me, to me, it's a lack of understanding, right? And it's kind of a lack of understanding because I think some people will take this and they'll be like, you're blaming the victim. And I think whenever I hear blaming the victim, it's kind of an, an easy way out right? They're just, people kind of say that to end conversations instead of to expand the complexity. This is incredibly complex world we live in. Mm -hmm. And coaching is just one piece of, I think, regaining your power, because I truly believe you can't change the system until you understand yourself. That's what leadership is, truly understanding yourself. So when people kind of make a dichotomy of like, why are we telling people to change when it's the system that's broken? It's like, no, it's really a, a really complex so that's kind of how I took that. Yeah. I would agree. I mean, and the whole, the problem is actually even with the title itself, it's, it's basically saying we're all victims. Um, and the problem with being, you know, feeling like a victim is that your only point of position is defense. You know, it, it is not from a position of, of power. It is from, you know, just trying to keep things from happening to you. Um, and I, I think that, you know, there's certainly that article kind of outlines how a lot of us feel, but it's not really productive and doesn't really speak to the solution, I think. Yeah. So interesting. Maybe we could have like a, I don't know, a a blogger, I don't know, some kind of a response that would help 
help our group to be curious and investigative and creative and see if there's a way we can move forward. Because I have thought that we can change surgical education, we can change our culture, and then doing that would require us to understand these things on a much deeper level and figure out where we have the power to move forward, where we have the power to um, to change the system, right? Like where where can we really be productive in all of this? So, okay, it's nine o'clock, my friends. Thank you so much for a wonderful morning. And I hope you all have a great week and uh, stay tuned. February um, is right around the corner. So we'll have our model review on February 2nd. And that's that. Love you all. Have a great week.